Welcome to Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. Episode 6 Alator Boudreaux walked up and down the line of team members assembled in the Great Hall for the rescue mission, fixing each of them with his steely gaze as he walked past. Thank you all for assembling so quickly. I'm sorry we have to dispense with the standard mission briefing, but time is of the essence. Reggie, how long since the time chamber reappeared? Reginald Kenton flipped open his pocket watch. All of the additional hands on it pointed to mortal peril, even though the mission had not yet begun. He felt it best not to mention this fact at the present moment. 23 minutes and 17 seconds, sir. And we don't know how long it will remain. Ellie, where are we headed? Ellie Bumble had returned from Timberneck only moments after the time chamber had reappeared, with a fresh vision of where to find the headmaster. Verdun, France. July 1st, 1916. Scorpio Douglas let out a low whistle. Verdun was some of the bloodiest fighting of World War One. Anastasia Boudreau nodded. While she hadn't had her usual prep time, she had been able to look up a little about the battle. You're correct. Some 300,000 died and 400,000 more were wounded over the course of the 10-month battle. On July 1st, the British Army suffered 60,000 casualties, with 20,000 dead attacking the German lines. With Clark somewhere smack dab in the middle of all of it. We're going in blind here, people, and that's why it's all hands on deck. He stopped and looked directly at Jasper Glass and E.J. Bumble. That's the only reason I'm letting you two come along. But you will follow Shadow's orders to the letter. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shadow Wiseacre gave him a grim nod. She wasn't sure she agreed with Alator's decision to allow the rebellious young Titans on this mission, but there wasn't time to argue. Alator continued his inspection. He paused. Wait a minute. Where's Professor Emberwing? She's visiting Hannah at Wendell's dwelling. Amelia Emberwing's adopted mother, Hannah, had been having a rough time of it since her son Clark's disappearance. Losing her husband and her son within a few months of each other had taken its toll. Amelia had been spending a lot of time with her at the family's orphanage to console her. She's hurrying back as quickly as she can, but she just got my message. They don't allow owls at the dinner table. Yeah. Unfortunately, there isn't time to wait for. Let's get in position. Ooh, she won't be happy. Is she ever? Grandfather! Oh, now I'm just kidding. The group headed toward the time chamber, but found their way blocked. Everyone, stop! Standing in front of them were Craven Bloodthorn, Audrey Desiran, Polonius Aberfoyle, and Storm Scovesguard, all having just returned from Timurnak. Craven, Cass, Storm, you're just in time. Gear up, we're leaving in three minutes. Audrey, we'd be pleased to have you along on this one as well. No, Halator. Polonius's complexion was pale, with the waxy pallor more like a corpse than a living person. He was leaning on Audrey heavily for support. He usually looked weak after he had had one of his visions, but this was the worst Alator had seen him. You've had a prophecy then? Not exactly. We held a seance. 
We communed with Clark. Polonius was the vessel. Miss Bumble, you left too quickly. There was more to learn. Allie looked away sheepishly. That's great, Craven, but we're on the clock here. We need to get going. Clark doesn't want to be rescued, Alator. Polonius said weakly. Yeah, I got his message. But he's not the only one who gets a vote here. We have to move now, while whatever's been blocking our access to the time chamber is gone. We don't know how large a window we have. Clark is the one who's been hiding the time chamber. It's only reappeared now because our seance disrupted his spell. Well then, let's get moving. Storm, are you coming? Storm looked uncertain for a moment. Then he answered quietly. No. So be it. But I'm not wasting this opportunity. It might be the last one we get. Are you not listening? Audrey said. Clark doesn't want this. Well, too bad. We don't leave a man behind. All of them were so accustomed to Maldraco's normal levity that his sudden seriousness caught them a bit off guard. About a year after I joined the Special Ops, we were tracking an international ring of unicorn poachers. We thought we had them cornered, but it was an ambush. We were completely pinned down by Spellfire, and a member of my unit got separated. He told us to leave him and save ourselves, so we did. By the time backup arrived, the poachers had escaped with him as their prisoner. We learned later that they tortured him for weeks before they... <clears throat> he trailed off, haunted by the memory. We're not abandoning Clark, and that's final. You have to. If you don't, it will be the end of the world. We faced the end of the world before, Craven. We can face it together. Jasper stepped forward, standing to Alator's right. EJ did the same on his left. We're with you, Professor Verdreau. Let's go get him. Stand aside, the four of you. I don't have time to argue this. If I have to go through you, so be it. I'm serious. His hand hovered above the holster on his hip. Everyone knew he could draw his wand faster than anyone else in the school. We're serious too, Alator. When Clark used the scythe, he released the spirit of Kronos himself that was trapped within it. The spirit is tied to the piece of the scythe that Clark still has with him. As long as Clark stays away, the spirit is fixated on him. But if Clark returns to our time and the pieces of the scythe are reunited, the spirit of Kronos will reach its full power. A power that has festered and grown in the dark for almost 4,000 years. It would enslave the world. Alator started to waver. What if they were right? But then again, he also knew that Clark Dowling could be a stubborn mule and that he would decline the help even if he needed it. As if they could hear his thoughts, Craven and Polonius continued. You think I don't want to rescue him? Clark risked everything to help me when nobody else would. I owe him my life. He could return home anytime he wants, Alator. The piece of the scythe gives him the ability to travel through time without the time chamber. He's staying away to protect us. The color was returning to Polonius's face, and he was now standing on his own two feet again. When he used the scythe, Clark hadn't been educated about his responsibilities as a guardian. 
Now that he's seen the power of the spirit of Kronos firsthand, he recognizes that this task is his birthright. Alator's hand continued to hover at his hip. What they were saying made sense. But how could he abandon his friend? A deathly silence hung over the room. No one spoke for several moments. Shadow exchanged a look with Jolene Latrova, having another one of their unspoken conversations. As one, they crossed the room and stood with Storm. Jolene took Storm's hand, half expecting him to pull it away. Instead, he grabbed hers warmly. Shadow spoke. We need to respect Headmaster Dowling's wishes, Professor. Jolene echoed the sentiment. If he changes his mind and wants our help, he knows how to reach us. The anguish was plain on Alator's face. This is wrong. I can feel it in my gut. Your gut isn't always right, Professor. There's a dead cowboy buried in Dodge City who can testify to that. The others gasped as though she had slapped Alator across the face, but Shadow, never one to back down from a fight, stood her ground. Alator curled one side of his mouth in a crooked smile as his gaze dropped to Shadow's shoes. He knew she was right. His gut certainly had been wrong on that one. Jolene's words were kinder. One thing Professor Dowling always taught us, and you did too, was that we have to make our own choices in this world and live with the consequences. He's made his choice. It's up to us to respect that. All right, that's enough of this. Jasper said, determined to go through them if he had to. He reached behind his back and pulled his wand, but found his wrist restrained by the deputy headmaster. Stand down, Mr. Glass. What? This is the Trova's right. Everyone has to walk their own path, and right now, Clark's choosing to walk his path alone. Maybe not forever, but for now. Thank you, Alator. The sound of grinding gears came from the time chamber. All of them looked at the doors of the alarm. Crystal Coles cried, Oh no, 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 no. Evie, stay in there, recalibrating the control unit. Evie Bradford? Wait, the Evie Bradford. Alator and Jasper charged towards the time chamber, but before they had gone two steps, the doors flew open with a bang. Evie Bradford came flying past them as though she had been picked up and tossed by a giant. She landed with a thud and skidded across the floor. The time chamber shrank, twisted, and turned itself inside out. Then, with a pop, it disappeared once again. Evie Bradford groaned. She rolled onto her back, brushed her hair out of her face, and looked up into the face of Polonius. Whoa! Oh, hi, Professor Aberfoyle. Ms. Bradford, nice to see you. I've heard good things about your latest book. Always nice to see my former Paradors out there making a name for themselves. 
A few weeks passed. The warm days of summer passed into the cool evenings of autumn, and life began to return to what passed for normal around the castle as the staff prepared for the fall term. It was almost seven o'clock, according to Polonius's pocket watch, and he was headed to Alator's office, where he imagined Alator was catching up on paperwork. He arrived and softly knocked on his office door. Come in. As Polonius entered, he saw Evie Bradford already in the room, sitting in the brocade wing-back chair at Alator's desk. Oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt. Evie chuckled and stood. Don't be silly, Polonius. I was just leaving. She turned to Alator and stuck out her hand, which he accepted and shook warmly. Thank you for the opportunity, sir. I'm really looking forward to it. Glad to have you aboard. We'll see you in the Great Hall. Evie smiled broadly at Polonius as she breezed out of the room. What was that about? Evie's accepted a permanent position here on the faculty. That's a very good idea. It'll be nice to have a full-time astronomy instructor again. Plus, you know I always like to have another Parador alum around. Alator looked back down at the stack of papers in front of him and frowned as he signed his name to yet another invoice. The paperwork, it seemed, was never done with this job. You ready? No. <laughs> that won't stop time for marching on, I suppose. Alator stretched as he stood from the desk and closed the folder. Yep, I suppose we have to face it. Alator heaved a heavy sigh as both he and Polonius looked over at the portrait of Clark on his wall. From early in his tenure as headmaster, the portrait showed a young man with long, dark hair, clad in a ceremonial Egyptian collar. The young Clark in the painting smirked at Alator and gave him a sly wink. I miss him too. Every day. Alator gave Polonius a knowing smile. Suddenly, a look of great concern appeared on Alator's face as he began patting at his coat pockets. Wait, where is it? Oh, there we are. I have something for you. He pulled a silvery object from his inside coat pocket and flipped it through the air where it landed in Polonius's outstretched hand. Polonius looked down at the badge, styled like a U.S. Marshal's badge from the Old West, and emblazoned, Deputy Headmaster. But this is yours. Nope. Mine is right here. He swept his coat to the side, revealing a matching badge attached to his belt. This one reading, Headmaster. Shadow and Jolene got it for me. They thought it might help me accept that we have to move on. That's kind of them. This isn't easy for any of us. No, it sure isn't. Well, shall we? The two walked solemnly to the Great Hall. Just outside, Reginald was waiting for them with characteristic deference. Ah, everyone is seated and ready, Headmaster. Thank you, Reggie. Sir, I feel I should tell you. The previous headmaster felt that a more formal relationship between he and I was 
more appropriate. He always called me Reginald, not Reggie. I see. But which do you prefer? Oh. Well, I'm... I'm fine either way, sir. Alator smiled broadly in return. Well then, I feel you should know I'm not like the previous headmaster, Reggie. Reginald smiled and bowed slightly, then opened the doors to the Great Hall, and Polonius and Alator walked in together. Polonius clapped his friend on the shoulder and headed to take his seat among the faculty and guests as Alator strode to the podium at the front of the room. He cleared his throat and looked out at the expectant faces of a new class. Welcome, students, to another term at Avastrum Academy of Sorcery. I'm afraid we have to begin with some distressing news. The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue. Alator Boudreaux is played by Cody Miller. Reginald Kinton is played by Matthew Bianchi. Ellie Bumble is played by J.D. Rose. Scorpio, played by Mike Atchley. Anastasia Boudreaux is played by Rachel Finley. Jasper Glass is played by Jesse Davis. E.J. Bumble is played by Lainey Flanagan. Craven Bloodthorn is played by Joshua Thomas. Polonius Aberfoyle is played by Chad Patton. Storm Scovesguard, played by Stormy Cone. Audrey Trouble Desirand is played by Susan Thomas. Maldraco Devante is played by Matt Sumter. Shadow Weisiger is played by Haley Munoz. Jolene Latrova is played by Jolene Frescas. Cristela Coles is played by Krista Colasar. Evie Bradford is played by Elizabeth Huntinghake. Thank you for joining us for Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. For more info, please visit our website at www.avastrum.org, visit our Facebook page, or search for Avastrum on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high. <laughs>